you'll have a good time. I know some people look and they say, well, you know, it's going to be an hour. It's going to be, and it's really not that long. Uh, there's usually some good singing there. And, uh, you know, it's just to get to know some of the people in the community. Some people you hadn't seen in a while. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that, that God can use you in and doing that. You know, it's kind of networking, if you would. Uh, you know, you start seeing people that, that maybe uh, your kids or your grandkids or, or, you know, friends with their kids or grandkids. And, but, you know, there may be something that, that you can help influence there. Because a lot of times it takes, uh, it takes more than just mom and daddy to raise uh, children this day and time, right? Um, sometimes we need all the, the help we can get. Advice, eyes, ears, whatever. First I'm going to read this morning is at Second uh, Peter uh, chapter 3. Uh, we've read it before uh, many times, many times over, and it kind of ties into what we've been talking about for a month or so uh, about prayer and how important prayer is. Prayer should not be the last resort. It should be the first resort. Um, but again, and, you know, we can talk about how to do it, how not to do it. Uh, we can talk lots of directions uh, in this, and we can talk about how we use it, to, uh, of course, to, to receive blessings. But we also need to understand the other side of it as well. Verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, and as some count slackness, but his long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, that any should perish. I mean, this Bible says it over and over and over. He's not willing that any should perish. Folks, we've got to come together and realize that it's not God's wish for bad things to happen. It's not God's wish for us to end up in hell. That's, that's what we do. That's the human side of it. But it's not God's wish for any to perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, I fear that today that we live in a time and um, in this country where we don't understand that. We don't have time. Uh, we're so caught up in all the things that is going on um, you know, I know a lot of times for me, I mean, by the time I lay my head down at night, I don't think about nothing. You know, we've talked about prayer, you know, when to pray, you know, finding your private spot. Really and truly, I mean, the difference in probably us praying today and what they did back in, in uh, the times uh, when Moses led the people out of Egypt is they prayed all day, every day, never ceased. That reverent, that 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 dedicated, that, that on-purpose prayer. And so a lot of times we get to talking about prayer and we get to talking about, you know, how we do everything because we plan everything. You know, I've got, I've, I've had uh, three kids in the house and, you know, really none of them are planners except Cody. I mean, he just is just, he just drives me crazy. He just has these things and, you know, there's so many things that, that aggravates him, but, you know, so we have it to, to both extremes. So we want to plan our prayer time. We want to plan our devotion time. And it's good. You better plan it sometimes, but or you won't do it. How many of us has planned, made plans to do, you know, devotion and prayer and all these things, and then two days later, three days later, a week later, we forgot all about it? How many times we put our Bible in the vehicle and it didn't leave until the next Sunday morning or Wednesday night. 
You know, some of us are special because we come on Wednesday night, so we at least got to move it on Wednesday night, right? I mean, we've all been there, and we and we're all will continue. By human nature, by human nature, we are designed. We come into this world, and we are only a few days from getting involved in sin. So, by design, by what Adam and Eve done, it's by design. Our nature is naturally going to go the opposite way of God, right? So it takes time, it takes effort, it takes, it takes doing things on purpose. It takes holding each other accountable, it takes prayer, it takes repentance. I mean, ask yourself, when's the last time you repented? I mean, when was it? I mean, hey, I've met a lot of people and I've been to one of those people many times over. Well, I ain't doing that wrong. Really? Really, I mean, every avenue you turn today, there is so it is so easy to do the wrong thing. So easy, you know. The world is the world's telling us that there's things that are right, but the Bible says they're wrong. The Bible even talks about calling things right that are wrong and wrongs that are right. We are so upside down. But ask yourself personally: When is the last time you repented? When is the last time your kids seen you repent? When's the last time your kids have repented? When's the last time you said you were sorry? And it's sorry is not just all about that. But when's the last time you showed remorse? When's the last time you changed direction? So repentance to God is to turn away. In this nation, have we turned away? Or do we continue to habitually sin? And just come before the altar every day. You know, there's terms and, and, there's, and Jesus talks of that. I mean, it's praying of me as we've talked about it in here. Praying of no avail. Praying of no good. I mean, do we honestly think that we can officially continue down the paths that we're going down and we call that repentance? I can tell you. I know when in my heart I am really repenting. I mean, I go through the motions. I mean, I'm not above it, but that's what God's called us to be, is be above reproach. But we are the only ones that know if we're truly repenting. If we've truly repented, if we've truly asked forgiveness, if we've truly forgiven anyone, only we and God know that. But more importantly, mothers and daddies, I mean, what you're teaching your kids. I mean, how many times we said, I'll do anything for my kids. I'll give my life for my kids. And the Bible tells us, give your life for one another. Sacrifice. Give them that eternal life. Introduce them to Christ Jesus. Give that life. The Bible talks of all that. But what have we taught? What have we done? Do we speak up? I mean, we, can, we don't have to look any further than, than ourselves every morning. What are we accepting? What do we enable? What do we encourage? What do we teach? I mean, I hear so much stuff out of Christian people's mouth now. You know, uh, there was a lady that uh, Jenny was telling me about, and they were talking about sinning, and she goes, well, the devil's going to leave me alone now. And, of course, she finishes the statement. She says, because me and my boyfriend's having sex. Right? 
But I mean, we laugh and we think, oh, I can't believe somebody said that, but do we, do we not live it? How many of us continue to turn our backs and, and turn away from things? We, we want to talk about sex, drugs, and rock and roll and, and you know, uh, abominations and homosexuality and all these things, but fornication. Pornography. I mean, we've got to realize that people my age have started raising that generation that is changing everything, that's changing the landscape. I mean, they are. I mean, you look at everything going on. So what is it, uh, Generation Z now, which is 18 from 18 to 28, 29, 30? Horrible. A lot of things that are going on. But who, who bore them? Who raised them? I mean, I got three of them. <laughs> okay. But again, what have we taught them? I mean, we got people not marrying no longer. We got people not even dating. Who would have thought in this time, with all the social apparatuses, that that we couldn't do this? But yet, it's hurting in every aspect. Right. But we still are out of control. I mean, do we realize how close and how much our kids have done been exposed to by the time they're 14 year old? And by the time they're 18 year old, how much more they're exposed to? How much more they've seen? How much more they've bought into? How much more they believe that they're getting the truth? How much competition is out there? I mean, how many? I mean, think about it. Think about how many of us, back in the day when we were when we were uh, out looking and, and, and dating and all this stuff, how many of us settled? How many of us was always comparing? How many of us was doing this? How many was doing that? Thank God they didn't have phones when I was young, or I'd be in jail, or dead, or registered. I mean, look, I've said for many times, I mean, people talk about, you know, the drugs and alcohol. The only difference in me is I got caught. Right? And that's just my own house, my own family. There's not nobody that I grew up with that would live in my house that shouldn't have got the same thing I got because they broke the same laws I did. But at the end of the day, that's where we're all at. We're all there. But we got to quit bickering amongst one another. we got to quit being offended every time somebody brings something up that steps on our toes. Right? I mean, this is all we need. This is all we need. Everything is here to guide us down the paths that we need to go. Everything. Both up and down. We don't have to look to anybody else. You know, if somebody says something that offends you, then look it up. I mean, look around at all the things that are going on. I mean, when's the last time that that, that you've seen somebody that, that you didn't think was involved in, in all manners of all different things? And what I'm talking about is all the, the activities going on. I mean, we, all we have to do is... Is, is read the newspaper, uh, 
You know, we all have the stuff on our phone, the news. I mean, just look at how much stuff is happening with, with the drugs and the alcohol. And it's not just the old drugs. It's all the new stuff coming about. I mean, it's, it's doctors losing license. It's, it's fraud. It's theft. It's, it's everything. It's just run rampant. I mean, I promise you, you could sit right here in front of this church, and as soon as the sun goes down tonight, you'll see about ten cops with lights go by before it's nine o'clock. That never used to happen. I mean, do you think they're doing it just because they like to run up and down the road with the blue lights on? And I'm sure there's some of them that do, but <laughs> I'm sure there is. But that's not it. But it's repentance. It's praying. We all stand in line and we're all geeked up about praying for what God can do for me. I mean, that's easy. Everybody's got needs. Everybody's got wants. Everybody's got desires. But we're good at that one-sided prayer. God, help me. Why, why? Get me out of this. Get me out of that. What can you do for me? And then we wonder why we have all the problems that we have. I mean, I look at just my life and see all the things that God's bailed me out of, that I manned up. You know, I prayed for a lot of years, just, just take the anxiety, just take the condemnation away from me. Take all that from me, God, so I can do what you'd have me do, so I'm not caught up beating myself up nonstop about all the things that I've done. But then again, you know, I, I have to remind myself, you know, that I'm not self-righteous, that, that I'm not, that I haven't arrived yet. Uh, more than likely, I will never arrive until I get to heaven. But that's the goal. But we've got to learn and we've got to retrain our children, how retrain each other. When's the last time you prayed with your wife? When's the last time you prayed with your husband? When's the last time you prayed with your kids? When's the last time your kids prayed with you? When's the last time your kids seen you do anything other than come to church? I mean, prayer is a very, very important aspect of our relationship with God. It's a very important aspect of what people see. Now, I'm not saying that you've got to run up down the street, you know, praying for everybody to hear. But if you can't do it in your own home, then where can you do it? I mean, and you think that, that everybody starts off in a different place, but they don't. I mean, think about it. I mean, if you ask anybody that does it openly, they'll tell you the same thing. You know, when I ask to pray and lay hands on my son or, or my wife or anything, it feels uncomfortable, Right? I mean, am I the only one that felt uncomfortable with? But, I mean, that's the way it's that's by design. I mean, we live in the world that we live in, so the things of God are going to be uncomfortable until we continue to do them. The same way with our kids. I mean, I ask them on Wednesday night all the time. I said, do you pray for one another? You know, everybody's got a boyfriend or everybody's got a girlfriend, and they're in relationships, and they care, and they tell each other they love them and, and all these things, but do they pray for one another? You know, what we're doing on Wednesday night is trying to teach young adults how to be maybe the adults they need to be. And maybe not the adults that they've been shown. Maybe not the, the adults that they've had the example to be. 
But I mean, think about how powerful that can be when you have man and woman, which is God's design, working together as one. I mean, think about what can be moved with those two people actually truly being as one. I mean, then we don't have to worry about some of the things that we're having to worry about now. I know from God's word that he's going to take care and do what he said he was going to do. He was not going to forsake me. He was not going to let anything come to my kids that if I raise them up in the ways of the Lord, that they shall return. Right? I know that. I have that peace when I lay down. I don't have to worry about what they're doing right now. You know, I've turned them over to God. I didn't seek God on them. I've turned them over. I've gave them to God. Out of love. Out of compassion and desire that their life would be better than my life. Is that not ultimately what we want? I mean, I don't want my children to go down the paths that I went down. I mean, I spent thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars on fines and penalties and, and all kind of therapies. Um, you know, I've got a master's in some things, uh, but I don't get paid anymore for it. But what I can do is use that and try to help and teach and guide one another. I mean, because it's rampant. I mean, if you think that, that COVID was a pandemic that just popped out of nowhere, and you think that what's going on now is not worse and going down the hill even faster, then you've got your head buried in the sand. I mean, there's no ignoring the way the country's going. If you read on through Second uh, Peter, and he, he talks about the last days and, uh, you know, the devil coming as a thief in the night, I mean, we're most assuredly there. And then he goes on and he talks more about, you know, God's time versus our time. And so we think things are long and drawn out and everybody's been talking about it for thousands of years and they have been, but it's coming. And it's coming rapidly. Don't wait. Don't, don't wait. Tomorrow may be too late. I mean, we have the opportunity today. Every Sunday we have altar calls. Every Sunday we have altar calls. It's a time. And I urge you to use that time. But if you can't do it, you feel uncomfortable, whatever the reason is, don't lay your head down before you get right. It's all about the prayer. This year, you can if you want to. Thank you. Amen. Good word this morning. That's right. Good to see everybody this morning. Glad you're here. Everybody awake? You good? All right. Just making sure. Ain't no dozing this morning. I'm, I'm probably not the only one that stayed up to 11 watching Bama basketball. Am I? I guess so. You didn't watch Bama basketball? Well. Nobody, I guess nobody in here, but if it's football, we'd all step and watch it, but it's basketball, so anyway, 
All right, y'all. All right. So I need some amens this morning. Y'all going to have to help out. I noticed y'all a little quiet. It ain't going to hurt people to be loud. My grandson can be loud, and y'all can be loud. Just say the right things. Don't boo me. Let's say amen. Oh, me. He's something else. I tell him all the time, and I told him a while ago, you don't have to say everything that comes into your mind. He's like, but. I was like, no, stop. We all fall guilty of that. I know I do. I have a lot in my life. So, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's receive our offering just now. Amen? Yeah. Amen. I'm sure, I guess Pat, he mentioned the, about the tickets being sold for the uh, um, fish fry. If you'd want a bug and egg, I think there's a, about three left on that back table. And if we need to get more made than we will, they had those made for us in about three days. So, I mean, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't much at all. Um, but um, I don't know of any other announcements right off. I want to be praying for Miss Jenny Jacobs this morning. She uh, she drove down here with angels surrounding her. She told me because uh, she knew her blood pressure was bad or a little low, and and she didn't check it. She felt kind of dizzy this morning. And I said, well, you know, you need to stay at home. Well, I know God's going to take care of me. I said, yeah, He will. And she said it before I did, but we got to help Him out a little bit. And I'm like, that's right. So. So we want to pray for her, seriously. She's uh, having dizzy spells and not feeling good this morning. Um, and, re- and remember my cousin Jane that we've, prayed, we've talked about the past couple of weeks that she got the diagnosis with her liver and kidneys. She's got, the doctor says, a year to live, maybe two. But, you know, we're, we believe in a, in a powerful God, so we'll pray for them this morning. But, um, but all right. Well, let's pray for receiver off. And Heavenly Father, we come right now and we thank you again for this day and this time together. Now, for your love and your blessings on our life, for the word that we've already heard. And, and Father, I just ask that you just touch and, and be with each and every one in here right now. God, we ask for your hand on Miss Jeannie Jacobs this morning. That you touch her. Now, the dizzy spells would stop. That blood pressure would come up to where it needs to be. God, we know you're the healer, and we just claim and, and believe healing and believe her with her right now in the name of Jesus. She is healed. And the same for my cousin Jane out in Arkansas. God, that you touch her right now. God, we don't we don't just... Put everything on stock of what the doctor says and the doctor's timelines. We know, Father, she's in your hands. And, God, she's in your timeline. And we thank you, Father, that you're touching, you're moving, and you're, and you're healing. And we just join our faith with hers right now where she's at. And God, we uh, ask as we go in our time of word this morning, Father, you just touch and move in a special way this morning. People will open up their hearts and lives and minds and ears to hear and understand what's being taught this morning, what's already been taught this morning, that will go away changed and different than what we came in. And God, we can go be the men and women of God that you've called us to be and stop playing around and stop worrying about what's going on around us, but concentrate on you and we thank you for it. God, we ask you just bless and touch in our time of offering this morning, our tithes. God, that you just minister in a mighty way in Jesus' name. Amen.
Run, double run. You know who's got the power and authority to make the double run? That's Jesus working through us and us speaking to Him. That's who's got the power to do it. One thing I forgot to mention. If you've got children in children's church, my lovely wife just reminded me. But, so, we talked, we, we met last week, a few of us did, and was talking about a few things. And, and um, you know, we, we notice that we think it's children. There's, there may be a dollar or two or something in there, and that's great. With no name on it. But if you want your children to give, you know, an offering or whatever, then we're going to have a time. They'll have a time back there in children's church. And what's put back there will be used for them in their classes. How is that? Does that make sense? And then, then that stuff will go to them. And we want children to give. They need to learn how to and, and, and what the importance of that is and, and how that, you know, we, we're, we're obeying the Word of God but doing those things. And so, you know, there'll be a time, and, you know, I don't know that she has it set up this week and stuff, but now next week you know, everybody knows about it. And, um, and we'll start doing that. And, and if you want to, if your children want to give a little money or whatever like that, like they do in the regular offering, then I'll have a time back here in Children's Church for that. But, um, all right. Well, now all y'all can go to Children's Church this morning. Man, running back there. I don't know if they're running to get away from here or just running because they're happy to go to Children's Church. Do what? Do what? You ran to get in? Is that because it was cold? <laughs> yeah, it is cold. Time changed, and we got a longer daytime to bay out in the cold weather if we want to. So, I mean, but it'll get hot, and then here in about a month or so, we oh, should cool down. I ain't ready for summer yet. Cause, so we ain't never happy. We always have uh, something that, that we want to um, complain about because... Uh, it, we're, we're humans, and we like it that way, don't we? We like to complain. We, we preach about complaining, but then we complain anyway about something. All right. So turn to First Peter chapter 5 this morning. First Peter chapter 5. When I started out this week, it seemed like there's a scripture going over me, and, and it was in, in John, and and so it was about offenses. And, you know, and I think God was telling that to me because I had held on to some stuff all last week and wasn't letting it go. And so, you know, I had to work on that, being offended by something that was said. None of any of y'all, okay, I promise. But, and, and so I, I didn't let it go. And why? Because I didn't want to. Because I wanted to hold on to that thing. That way when it, I got time to say something about it, then I could, right? We, we all do that. So if, I, if reading in John chapter 17, when, it's, when Jesus says, Whoa, you know, he told his disciples, he said, that it, it's, offense is going to come. After reading that, if you didn't know that, I, I, you know, you learn stuff by reading and studying. That's not talking about somebody offending you as such. That's talking about a stumbling block, temptations and trials. The King James says offense, as you read in the other versions, it talks about those instead of offenses and temptations and trials and, and different things, in which offenses and being offended can, is, is a stumbling block in front of us because we stumble over those things. But we have to read these things in context and know that what's translated and what the meaning of stuff is. And, and so, you know, 
I, I had this titled at one point offenses, but it just wasn't going where I thought it was going to go. And so I'm praying, God, what is it? And so he just, you know, I felt like he led me to other scriptures because we live in a day and time when people are offended all the time. As Pat was talking about, we live in a world of offenses and, and offending and, you know, mad. And there's people not in church today because they got it offended when they were three years old and, and hadn't forgot about it 40 years later and they still won't go and are hanging on to that. But, you know, it's, it's time for us, and you can see up there, the title's up there, it's time for us to wake up as a body of Christ. It's past time for us to wake up and stop worrying about the little things. Stop letting those offenses, those stump, be a stumbling block in front of us to where we can't get past them and we won't even step over them. And most of the time they're a little pebble and it trips us up because we're dragging our feet. And, and we're doing things to where we're not growing as we need to in, in our relationship with Christ. You know, we preached on prayer and the importance of prayer. And Pat was talking this morning about the importance of prayer. And, and it's important that we pray. It's very important that we pray. We've, we've stressed that. It's important that you have that time alone with Jesus. Trust me, this week after you know studying last week and preaching that last Sunday and having that importance of time with us alone with Jesus, do you know what seemed like everything come up but that this week? Why? Because the devil didn't go to sleep last week and say, well, I, guess, I guess he's going to pray. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave him alone. I'm going to go back over here. They, you know, I can't mess with them. He didn't stop. Why? Because he kept putting things in front of me this week. He kept putting stumbling blocks there. He kept putting trials. He kept putting temptations in front of me this week to where I would not see that time that I need with Jesus as I need to. And, and so he, I'm not the only one. He said to each and every one of you, if you claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He's still doing it to you. Why? Because this is the same devil that tempted Jesus. He, this was the same devil that tempted the Son of God and, and was on Him constantly. And Jesus prayed all the time. We know He went out for 40 days and then He would go out numerous times and just be alone in prayer. But guess who was there every time that He come back? The devil. The devil, just because you prayed a lot, you prayed a little this week, or you prayed a lot to Jesus, did not stop bothering you. And he will not stop. The only way the devil will stop bothering you in this world is when you leave this world. So it's a fact, and we've got to deal with it each day. Temptations and trials and circumstances and problems because we live in a fallen creation and a fallen world, and we've got to deal with those things. So, Peter... Peter says, be sober, be vigilant. Wake up. Look around us. If we're not paying attention to what's going on, we're going to miss a lot of things in our life. If we're not paying attention in our, in our physical life, what's going on, we're going to miss things. And we know the government will sneak things in all the time. It just says if we don't pay attention in our spiritual life, you're like, well, when did I start doing that? I thought I'd laid down that cussing. I thought I'd laid down these temptations that I'm doing here. Well, we, we stop paying attention. We stop being sober and vigilant and watching cautiously and, and watching with a purpose and a plan every day to where when those things, whoa, whoa, I've quit that. I'm a new creation. I don't do those things anymore. 
And then is that going to make the devil say, well, I'll just leave you alone? No, he's going to keep pushing some more and pushing some more. And he's going to catch us asleep. He's going to catch us nodding off and not paying attention, not looking, just thinking, oh, it's okay right now. And then he's just going to sneak on in a little bit. And then a little bit more and a little bit more. And the next thing we know, we're like, where was I at? I was at church last Sunday and it's Tuesday now and I've cussed three people out. What happened? Well, you let something in. You stopped being sober. We were sober for an hour this morning. And then we're doing whatever we want to the rest of the week. Peter dealt with it back in his day. This is the same Peter. All right, there's, there wasn't two different Peters in the Bible. That, that Peter, this is the same Peter that Jesus said. And we'll, let's just turn over there. We'll read that. Should be the next one. Where are we at? Matthew chapter 16. Same Peter. All right, the, the Peter that Pat was talking about this morning and, and Second Peter is the same. First Peter is the same Peter that was a disciple of Jesus. He called him out of the boat fishing, right? When he told him to throw your nets on the other side. And he said, well, I ain't going to do no good. And then they caught all the fish. St. Peter. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am, the Son of Man? Say that I, the Son of Man, am. So we know that most, everybody should know this story. So some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Specifically, he wanted to know who they thought and said that he was. What they said about him to other people. Who did they say that he was? He said, you, and, and then Simon Peter, the same Peter that wrote First and Second Peter. Simon Peter spoke up and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. So Peter had a ha-ha moment. Ah, he's Jesus, the Son of God, didn't he? He had that moment. We've all had that. When Jesus became Lord of our life, we accepted him and said, You are the Son of God. I want you to be Lord of my life because you can only you can cleanse me in my imperfect life, my imperfect world. You can cleanse me and make me whole. And then from that, we know that now we're the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. And, and so, Peter also, I mean, then, and Jesus said, Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not, be built, um, shall not stand against it. And he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So then he commanded his disciples, they said, tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. And so we go on, next, next verse, okay? This is not later on in the chapter where we're about to read. This is like, Jesus, they said this, Peter said this, Jesus talking to them, and guess who showed up? Guess who showed up right after that moment where Jesus, where Peter's like, I've got this revelation. You are Jesus, the Son of God. You're the Son of Man revealed in flesh. You're here. And then Jesus began to talk about the time and, show, and tell his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed and raised on the third day. We're, we're, we're getting to that season where we celebrate that, right? What was Jesus doing the whole time he was in his ministry on this earth? Preparing for his death. We wonder how we're going to live every day. How we're going to make it. 
Jesus knew he was appointed to die. So he knew that every day he woke up, it was getting closer to that time. Closer to that time. We try to do everything we can to keep from dying. And, and that's fine. I understand that. I'm talking about in our physical life. We should. We should eat well. We should do things right. Be healthy. But if we're living for Jesus, we shouldn't worry about our life as such because it's in His hands anyway. Correct? We, we should be worried about living for Him. And we don't know what that's going to entail. We talk about suffering a lot. We don't know, and, and there's a lot of us in here that suffered some in our life with, with losing loved ones and different things, but spiritual suffering, we haven't seen it. We haven't seen it in our lifetime. We haven't seen it in America since America has been founded, since they signed the Declaration of Independence in 1776, right? We've not seen spiritual suffering. But why? Because we're free to do this. And, and there's no, been no physical suffering for our spiritual belief. You know, they try to attack us all the time and try to shut us up. You know, we're the only religion that they bash for not believing in homosexuality. We're the only one. There's no outcry out there for Muslims to change. There's no outcry out there for Hindus to change and change what they believe in and change the whole Koran or whatever book and prophet Buddha that they believe in. When they know that in that country and where they're at, over there, that they would be killed for that kind of lifestyle. But we are told as Christians, as a body of Christ, we need to celebrate those things. That's wrong. Why? Because we fell asleep. And those things got pushed in. And so there's ministers at churches in the pulpits that are saying it's okay and we need to love them and accept them and embrace them in. We do the people, not the lifestyle. You start embracing sin at whatever level, you're going to embrace all of it before you know it. And it's going to become dull to you and, and it's not going to affect you because it's not happening to you and you're going to look at it this way and you're going to be blinded to it because everything's just okay. Because we've dozed off and we've stopped being alert. So let's read on in Matthew. So Jesus telling all these things how he's going to be killed and raised on the third day. So this same Peter took Jesus aside. Hey, Jesus, come here. Come here. So we're going to tell Jesus what we think. You ever done that? This is the way I see it, Jesus. This is what I want to do. And you don't, I don't want to hear anything else. This is pretty much what Peter done to Jesus. He just said he was the Son of God. He said, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But what did he say to Peter? He turned to Peter. The same Jesus that said, You are upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Turned to Peter and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Why? Because the devil had entered in. Peter had this moment. And he was, man, he's the rock that God's Jesus is going to build his church on. Not Peter, but the knowledge that Peter had. And that's the foundation we build our lives on, that Jesus is the Son of God. But yet the devil's right there trying to deceive us all the time. And he told him, he said, get thee behind me. You're an offense to me. You are trying to be a stumbling block on what I know that God has called me to do and sent me here to do. You're trying to get in my way. And I'm telling you to go. When we get old enough in our own life, 
to look at those problems and situations and tell Satan, hey, get there behind me, Satan. These things are not going to be a stumbling block in my life anymore. I'm putting them behind. I'm stepping over them. I'm not tripping anymore. I'm not stubbing my toe. I'm tired of having toenails kicked off because I keep hitting my toe everywhere like I'm walking blindly. And you say, well, that's silly, but that's how we do a lot in our Christian life. We stumble over the smallest things and then don't want to get up. Because, and that's the offense, we stay hurt, we stay mad. And then we just then we just do whatever we want to do because of those things in our life. Because we, we don't want to get off of what we want to do because it's, you are not mindful of things of God but of the things of men. So we told him, sure, you've got the knowledge that I'm Jesus, the Son of God, but you still want what you want. You don't want my will in your life. You want your own still. Because we can play it. We can play here just a little while, and then we can play over here. But this is the same Jesus that John wrote about, right, in Revelation. Same God that talked to him. Jesus and God, the same one. Jesus in heaven at this time. Talked to him and said, this lukewarm church, I'm going to spit them out of my mouth. Guess what you are whenever you're playing here and playing here, you're lukewarm. You're not anything. So we can go on and we'll see the church dwindle down as we meet here. We'll see people fall away as we have before. We used to not, y'all can see over the past year or so that we've, you know, people started coming. I love it. I thank y'all for being here. I do. There should be more here that have been here in the past, but why? But they don't because we don't, we don't shy away from the truth of the Word of God. And people don't want to hear that. They want to go, they get their ears tickled, and they don't have to really be observant to things going on and be vigilant and sober, but can go through it drunk and high and just get a grasp a little bit of it and feel good and then not get any meat of the Word of God. Because... We don't want those things in our life. We really don't want to change. We really don't want to wake up. We're kind of like a fog. You ever, in the mornings, when my alarm clock goes off, if I don't have one across the room, then I'm just hitting snooze. It's like in my sleep, I know where that button is on my phone. And we all do. We're hitting snooze. Just a little bit longer. I want to sleep just a little bit more. And there's nothing wrong with that physically. Nothing at all. Unless it makes you late for work every day. And you're rushing around every morning. I don't know why I can't get up. Wake up and get out of bed. It's not, it's not that hard. As hard as we make it. Go to bed earlier to where you can get up earlier. And get a little more sleep. But in our Christian life, we do the same thing. We hit snooze for a little while on that. We hit snooze for a little while on this. Well, this is bothering me, but it's not that important. God knows. God understands. You know, God will forgive me. He will. And He does know and understand. But what He also knows and understands is that you need to be better in your life than what you're doing. We all have that in our life. We all need that in our life. And it's like we pray for something about repentance this morning. Well, what comes before repentance? Conviction. Conviction comes before repentance. Because if you're not convicted of it, you're not going to repent of it. If, if the Holy Spirit doesn't convict you of it, then you're, not going to, you're going to think, well, I'm not doing nothing wrong. 
Or if He is convicting you of your wrongdoing, you're pushing it aside and saying, well, I'm okay because I'm just I'm snoozing through this. But that's not what He's called us to do. Just like He told Peter, get there behind me. We go back over to 1 Peter. Peter talking here, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, your adversary, we fought against each other so much that we think we're each other's adversary. We think we're the sign on the door. It's the adversary to the other or all this. And we're just fighting constantly with each other in the body of Christ. And we're not being sober. Because the devil wants division in the body of Christ. Because he knows the power we would have if we would all unify as we should. If we would be in unity in this congregation right here, we could be powerful. If we would be in unity as one and let the Spirit move as He wills in our life, each and every one of us, then there would be lives changed this morning. You would, you would actually put things down and make a commitment to God that I'm not going to go back to what I was doing before I come in the door this morning. Because the devil, we talk about a lot, did not stop at that door when you come in. The devil's been working on me or trying to get my head all morning. You know what I've had to do? Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus. He said, whatever you bound on earth is bound in heaven. I bind you in the mighty name of Jesus. I tell you, you're not going to control my thoughts in my life and you've got to go. Yeah, that, that's this morning. Why? Because you don't want the Word of God preached. I do the same thing in the morning. Why? Because you don't want me to go out of this world, out of, out of, in, in my workplace, and live in the life He's called me to live. He don't want that. So it's the everyday thing. Multiple times a day. Because there's times he'll just press in and press on and I'm pressing back. And then if I don't watch it, if I, if I, if I quit being sober, I'll slip. And then whatever he's pressing on will come right in. Whatever it is. And, and you could think of the worst sin, the worst temptation to something small. But if it, whatever it is, if it's disobedience and God's told you not to be there, then that is a sin in your life and you've got to get rid of it. So he said he, he walks around like a roaring lion, seeking those whom he may devour. Seeking them. He's searching for you each and every day. He hasn't forgot where you're at. He, he, he knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what bothers you. He's got his little imps and demons. You say, I don't believe in all that. I promise they're real. Whether you believe in them, they're not ghosts, okay? We're not, we're not having paranormal activity. This is real. This is a spiritual world. The spiritual wickedness in this world, it's real. And so, but if there was a third of the angels that fell from heaven that says demons, they didn't reproduce and make more demons, okay? That doesn't work that way. But then there's two-thirds of the angels still in heaven, correct? And so that means there's more of them, more Jesus, more angels than there is demons. But we a lot of, a lot of times in our life we let the thoughts in our minds and those demons win. Because it's easier that way. And so we take those things and instead of praying and binding and, and casting those things out of our mind and bringing together in our thoughts, we let them just creep on through. Because He knows where we're weakest at. He knows those things. He knew where each one of the disciples were weakest at. And He pushed and prodded on them all the time. And we're no different than them. Jesus didn't have a weak point, right? Jesus didn't have one. But that didn't stop Satan from being on him all the time. 
and trying to ruin his ministry here on this earth. And trying to get him keep from doing. So he is seeking those who be made of our, and he's seeking us. He's seeking you right now in your life for what what you know you need to do for God. He's seeking you, and and wanting to devour you. He's wanting to steal your joy. He's wanting to steal your peace. He wants to steal your family. Just as John said in John ten ten, the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He's wanting to steal your children, your home, your relationships, whatever it is. Marriage. He wants to steal all of it. Why? Because He does not want you to succeed in your Christian life. He does not at all. He wants you to fail. He wants you to get to a point in your life to where you say, this doesn't work for me anymore. I'm I'm not going to worry about it. That's where He wants you to be. Does that mean He's going to leave you alone when you get there? No, He's... He's still going to be there. You're just giving in to Him every day instead of resisting Him and going away from Him. And, and so, he, he tells us all this stuff. And like we talked about in prayer, He wants to make us feel like we're unworthy. We're, we're, not, we're not good enough. We, we can't never be good enough to pray. We're not righteous. We're all these things that He tries to put in our head to make us think that that's what we are. Instead of what Jesus says about us, right? That's, that's His goal in life. It's to make us see all these other things about us and what we know about us and, and not see God through any of it. That's what He wants. But if we're sober, if we're vigilant, He goes on to say, resist Him. Resist Him. James said in, in, in James 4, 7, it says, submit unto God, right? Submit unto God. Let's get over there to it. I think I put that in there, Cole. Did I not? I was going to. James 4, 7, and 8. Most everybody should already know it. It says, Therefore, submit to God. Submit. Submit. That's another area we've got to work on in our life. Okay? That's not, man, you can't say that to your wives. You need to submit to me because you're not submitted to God. So we won't, we're not preaching on the home this morning, but that's, that's another area. We've got to submit. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's great. It's what we need to do. James and Peter had the same teacher, didn't they? They had Jesus as their teacher. They were both disciples, if you understand what I'm saying. So we had the same teacher also. He says, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee. Peter says the same thing. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings you are experienced by your brother are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So guess what? What you're going through, don't ever think that nobody else has experienced or going through what you're going through in your life. Because there's other people out there that have experienced the same thing and are going through the same thing right now. And just as we're called, that's, that's when it's really important for us to lift each other up. If you're, if you're going through something you know somebody else is going through or has been through the same thing, why don't you ask them how they got through it? Why don't you go talk to them and, let, and pray with them? Lift them up. And, and, and then work together to build each other up as a body of Christ. Right? It's not just on me to, as the pastor. Sure, it's my job to call. If you've got problems, you call and talk to me. But you can talk to each other also. Find somebody to talk to that's been through those same things. You see how they got through it and what happened. And, you know, is there a certain scripture that they read or something they prayed that, that could just help you just a little bit? Because you're not the only one. We get this old, poor, pitiful me attitude to where we think we're the only ones that's ever been through what's going on in our life. 
Well, nobody will understand. Nobody gets it. If I say something, they're just going to look at me like, you know, like, I can't believe you're dealing with that. That ain't nothing. And, then, and that's, that's their attitude, and then we don't say anything. But others have been through it. Others are going through things right now. And we're not ever going to know what's going on in our life if we don't talk to them. If we don't communicate. Like Pat said, we got, we got the world at our fingertips. But yet we're so, we're, we try to be so private all the time. You know, we, we got to where, and you can see it, and, you know, people don't visit as they used to. They don't, they don't talk as they used to. It's all texting. It's all this and that. And then before we know it, it's, it's, there's no communication going on. There's nothing going on. Why? Because we've, we've, become, we've become dull to the things of this world. We've become dull to sin in our life. He goes on to say in James, I don't know if he's still there, but let me read verse 8. He says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Draw near to God, He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Cleanse your hands. I want, like David said, I need a clean hand and a pure heart. That's what I pray. God, cleanse my hands. Cleanse my heart. I, I, you know, I pray as Isaiah did. He said he took that he took it cold, didn't he? When he's when he's in the temple and he saw the, the the glory of God high and lifted up, and that angel come to him and 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 touched him with that cold to cleanse him and burn away all this stuff in my life. Why? Because I need things gone out of my life. I need every area of my life to represent and look like Him. Because if I don't, then. Not just because I'm pastor and i got to be somebody else up here. No, because this is our desire we should all have. Why do we want to keep holding on to things in our life and keep hitting snooze and not worrying about them when we know the, the way it's going to lead us and what it's going to lead us into? Why do we want to do that? Why do we want to keep on? It's not easy, and it's not ever going to be easy, but it's doable. We've got examples all through the Bible. Jesus is our main one. But Peter right here, James, John, all those that, that walked with him and talked with him, Paul that didn't have nothing, he, he, he wanted to kill them all. But yet he's an example that we can go to and read about of how it can be done in our life. How we can overcome the things of this world. How we can be sober and be vigilant every day and not let the things of our life um, overtake us and, and hinder us from what's going on. David knew where to draw strength from. I always love this in, in Psalms chapter 121 and verse 1. This is in the Amplified Version. He says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills of Jerusalem. From where my, shall my, from where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and the earth. Listen, He will not allow your foot to slip. Why? Because He's the foundation we build on. There's no moss there. There's no slippery part there. There's nothing that's going to make us fall when we're standing on Him and on His Word. And we're proclaiming Him in our life. He says, Who keeps you, you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber briefly nor sleep soundly. So that we may hit snooze. Guess who doesn't? The God that I serve does not hit snooze. The God that I serve does not reach over there and slap that all the time and say, I'll get to them in a little bit. Why? Because He's there all the time, isn't He? How many times you ever prayed to God and you went to Him earnestly in prayer and you say, 
I guess, I guess God's not there today. You didn't get his answer machine, did you? Have you ever got God's answer machine or voicemail? Left him a message said, and he'll say, I'll get back to you later. You ever text him? And, and then he left you. I know this is a thing. I've heard Hallie and my kids say this. They left me on red. And when I first heard it, I was like, red? There's nothing red on a, on a phone when you text? R-E-A-D. They read my text message. They didn't get back to me. So it's left me there. You don't have to deal with that, do you, Blake? Never. Yeah. Yeah. They left me on red. God never leaves us on red. He always answers us back. It may not be what we want to see or when we want to see it, but He's not just letting that hang out there and then get back to us later when we straighten up a little bit, when we do something a little better. No, He's he's seeing and knows everything that goes on in our life. Why? Because He's an omnipresent God. He's an almighty God. We keep Him boxed up, but He knows He's there all the time. And He's there working and 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 wanting us to look to Him and trust in Him at all times. So David found his strength in them. Let's read on just for a second. He never slumbers or sleeps, nor sleeps soundly. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. All of it. Not a little of it. You say, why is evil happening in my life? Because you're out from under the hand of God and we live in a world full of sin. Evil's all around. But we know one that can protect us from it. And that's Him. Submit to Him. Submit to Him and let Him protect you as He wants to. And He will keep your life. The Lord will guard you going out and you're coming in. Everything that you do from this time forth and forever. This David told us about Israel and about them back then, but it's just as much the Word of God now as it was then. It's still a promise to us. God's watching over us. So the devil, he's good at being our adversary and accusing us, right? He, attempt, he, he, he tempts us with things. And tells us how, how much we need something. Well, it's, just, it's fine right now. You need that. You need to relax. You need to do this. You need this in your life. You, you, it's okay this time. God understands. He understands. He understands how stressed out you are. Or how, how things are going. And, and, you know, you could do this just this once. You could have this just this one time. Knowing in yourself that it's wrong. And you don't need to do any of it. Whatever it is. It could be food to pornography. Okay, I went from lowest spectrum to the biggest sin we can think of, right? It could be any of that. So when we fall into that, and we do whatever He's tempting us, what happens next? He accuses us. How could, look at you. How could you do that? You're, you're supposed to be a Christian. You're supposed to be this. Trust me, I deal with it. Okay? Me. I deal with it. The both thoughts, both sides of it. Why? Because he's not quit he's not quit bothering me, I promise. He's not he's not quit seeking me out. In in Revelation chapter twelve. In verse ten. John's writing here. He said, then I heard a loud voice in heaven. That would be God, right? We all know that. Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come. The accuser of the brethren. The accuser of the brethren. That's the devil. That's your adversary that's still walking around. 
tempting us and accusing us of stuff all the time. Listen to what he says. The accuser of our, of, of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night. So he's taking what he's accusing you of and, and he's going to God and saying, look, no, look at them. Just like, like Job. Okay? Like Job. Look at them. Let, let me have them. Look at them. Look what they did. And, it, and that's just, he, he puts it in our mind. God's not forgiving you this time. He don't love you anymore. He can't trust you anymore. You're going to have to do this, 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 and this. And, and maybe He'll get you back in the, in the right standing with Him. Maybe you can get back. Maybe you haven't gone too far. Maybe you can do this again. Maybe this and maybe that. And all these thoughts in our mind constantly. Because He's attacking us with, with accusations. And, and, and all, we, all we have to do is stand up and say, No, in the name of Jesus, I'm a child of God. God, forgive me, I've done wrong. I repent of those things. God is not putting those thoughts in your mind. Conviction comes from here. Conviction is, hey, Holy Spirit convicting me. I'm doing wrong and I know it. You need to repent right now. And come back in and, and I'm loving you still. I didn't, he didn't stop loving us because we sinned. He didn't stop loving us because that we slipped up a couple times, okay? He still loves you. But He loves you enough that He doesn't want you to do it anymore. When are we going to get to the point where we love Him enough to where we stop doing it? So accuse them before God, our God, day and night, has been cast down. The devil has been cast down. And I know this is in the end time, and we, there's a lot that goes into this. But the devil still is under our feet today. God is not waiting until revelation, until the end time, to give us strength and power over everything that comes in our life over the devil. He said, no, I, he said, now I give you the keys to the kingdom. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And, and so, and how did they overcome him? How do we overcome the devil in our life every day? By the, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, right? The blood of the Lamb. The blood that Jesus shed on that cross. That's how we overcome the devil. And how we talk. And our, and our words of our testimony. I'm not the same as I was. Sure, I'm not perfect. We'll never be perfect on this earth. Never be. We strive for that every day. We should. And we can't go tomorrow and something happens. Well, I'm just human. I'm not perfect. No, we're still a child of God and that can't be an excuse in our life any longer. We've got to get past that. And it said they did not love their lives to the death. They did not love just this world. They didn't love the things going on in this world. They didn't, they didn't take their life above Jesus and what He done. That's where we got to be in our life. We can be on that same path and that same road that God has said, Here, I want you here and I want you doing this. The number one thing He wants us to do is love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, everything about us, and love Him. Love Him enough not to sin. Love Him enough to remove those things out of your life, no matter how hard it may be. Love Him enough to, to, to shed those things and let the Spirit of God move in my life as He needs to. That's where we need to be. God loved us enough to send His Son Jesus to die for us, right? So if we say we love Him, love takes sacrifice. Love is going to have to have some sacrifice on our part or we truly do not love each other or we do not love Jesus as we need to. If we love our spouse as we're supposed to, then there's sacrifice in those things, right? We don't just get everything that we want. We don't do everything that we want. We don't have everything. It ain't just about me no more. It's about us. 
So it's the same way with Jesus. It's not about me anymore, but we've got to take it a step further. It's never about us, and it's all about Him. All about Him. So it's time we stop playing church. Stop playing the Christian life. Stop playing enough to where we say, well, this is fine for this time. And I'll do better next time. No, we need to stop playing. And uh, Daddy used to say all the time when we'd be doing something, all right, rapper room time's over with. Why? It's time to get down to the nitty gritty. It's time we get off the milk of the Word of God and that's all we know and get into the true meat to where we can grind on something and eat on something a little bit and chew on it and, and it remember it in our life. Why? Because if we're just on milk, what happens? If we just eat, if we just drink milk, that, that may fill us for just a little bit. We eat that steak, we're chewing on it, we're full for a, long, a lot more time, right? It sustains us. And so when we preach the Word of God and we say things in here, you know, we've got to get past these things in our life. We've got to get over those things and start, start chowing in on the true meat and the Word of God so we can understand it and live the life He's called us to live. Because it's true what Pat said this morning, I'll say it again. You leave out of here today and Jesus is not Lord of your life where you need to be. You will die and go to hell. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You can't sugarcoat it. You can't do nothing about it. If you're living a life of sin and you're playing God and playing church and playing this Christian life, I don't know where your eternity is going to be because you're not living the life that God's called you to live. People preach one saved, always saved. I don't know. I know I never want to get to that point in my life. Do I have to wonder about it anymore? Am I saved? Is my salvation real? If your salvation was real, there would be a change in your life because a true repentance comes true change. You repent and you turn away from those things, you're going to show a different lifestyle. You're going to live a different lifestyle. So don't leave today not being changed and not knowing. And for us that are changed, live like God's called you to live. Be bold in your faith. Proclaim the Word of God in your life every day when you go in and go out. Why? Because He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's watching over you. He's keeping you from all evil. So what's it going to hurt us? What's it going to matter if we lose our life, this physical life? What's it going to matter? Because we know if we're right with God, our next step and our next, next time is going to be in heaven with Him. And we're doing something for His name. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand this morning. I'll say it again as we do every week. If you're, not here, if you're here today and Jesus is not Lord of your life, then today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to where you come and make that decision. That you're going to dedicate your heart and your life fully to Him. If you've done that in your life and you've walked away, Jesus wants you back. All it is is a prayer. Because He's tired of His church and His bride, His body, playing with what He's done for us. Playing for what what he's what we celebrate as Easter, and 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 him dying on the cross to save us from our sin and all that went along with it. We're going to preach more on that here in the next couple of weeks, and talk about that more in depth. Why? Because it's important that we understand these things. We see it. We see what Jesus done for us. But Jesus is not still hanging on a cross or still in a tomb. He did as He said when He told them and His disciples He would raise again on the third day. He rose again. Because if He hadn't arose again, then He wouldn't be seated at the right hand of God and He wouldn't have completed His mission on this earth as He, as he was told to. 
So it all, it all had to take place for us to have this time to where we can come to Him as we need to. So this morning, don't let today be another day where you say, I'll take care of it later. Take care of it today. Let God and watch Him work and move in your life. As the music plays this morning, if you need prayer for salvation...